Welcome to the Road to Life Church podcast. Here with our guest speaker, you will be inspired through the Word of God. For more information, please visit roadtolifechurch.com. How many of y'all can relate to that little video right there? You've, you've had things in your life that you've tried to cut branches, you've tried to, you know, uh, even burn it away and, and try to get rid of it, but it just keeps coming back until you uproot it. And that's the title of this message. It's a series I did in the church that I'm part of there in Dallas. It was a four-week series. I'm only going to touch on one of the major roots that I believe that all of us need to make sure we don't just clip branches and leaves, but that we get to the root of it. Because it's, I believe it's one of the most destructive roots in our lives, and specifically um, in America right now. Uh, and so that's why I call it the Uprooted uh, Series, because we need to know that there are seeds of God in us, seeds of greatness in us. I, re- I remember a great article I read many years ago about the Sierra, the Sierra De- what they call the Death Valley between Nevada and uh, in California. There's this incredible uh, uh, desert there that is known f- to not grow anything. It is desolate. It is dry. Nothing grows there. But every once in a while, a freak thing happens. And in, uh, I believe it was in 05 when it really they call it a super bloom rain came abnormally on this region that has no rain and it shocked the world because what what was once a barren ground with nothing growing was absolutely covered with the most beautiful flowers for as far as your eye can see and it shocked and all these specialists came over and they realized what they couldn't see was the seeds that were in the ground. And I'm here to tell you, there's seeds in your heart, seeds of greatness that God put in you, and, and that, his, that God's by His Spirit will rain water in and it will grow. But it will be choked out if we don't uproot the, the seeds in the trees that we're going to see that John called them that produces the bad fruit. And so, I want to talk about that because there's, there's roots up that need to be uprooted from our childhood upbringing. There's roots that need to be uprooted from past relationships. 
that's affecting your relationships now. There's roots, believe it or not, even from your religious upbringing that need to be uprooted. I, I was raised in a certain religious denomination as a kid that created some roots in me that when God started getting a hold of my heart, it affected the way I learned, it affected the way I thought of things, and I needed to uproot the things that wasn't from God and keep the things, amen, that were from him. So there's things we need to deal with. And, and John the Baptist, um, you know, he, one of the things he, he did one time when in one of his teachings, it's found in Luke chapter 3, verse 9, he says the axe is already at the root of the trees. And then he qualifies the type of tree. Every tree that does not produce good fruit would be cut down and thrown in the fire. John was teaching us about this topic. He was saying, listen, there is some roots in our lives that have produced trees. It's matured now, and it's producing bad fruit, and it's destroying you. It's robbing you. It's robbing you of your joy. That's a, that's a fruit of the Spirit of God, right? It's robbing you of your peace. That's the umpire of our life. It's robbing you of your health. It's robbing you of so much, and he says, we need, that needs to be cut at the roots and thrown away. Jesus, in Matthew 11, he, he, he deals with a situation. He teaches us again something about the importance of uprooting things. He goes to a tree. He's hungry. He goes up to, to a fig tree, and it's not producing fruit. So he curses it. And later on, the disciples come by, and they notice that the tree didn't just kind of shrivel down from the top bot, um, down. It shriveled up, and it clearly says, from the roots up. Because Jesus, when he dealt with things, he went to the root. He went to the root because he knows, he knows that's the only way to kill it. I have a small uh, backyard in uh, Dallas with the pool pretty much covers the whole backyard. You know, we, Dallas, there's not a lot of land like we usually have here in, in Michigan. When I lived here, I had a couple acres. But in Dallas, you don't get a couple acres. You just get what we call uh, zero lot line houses. So my backyard was so small, I told Missy, it's not worth cutting grass back here. Let's just put a pool and some, and some artificial grass for, for our dog, right? But what I learned is if you don't get rid of the seeds from underneath that artificial grass, it could still grow. And I was, I was pulling all these, these, you know, weeds out all the time on the edges of my artificial grass. It was driving me nuts. And I finally said, what I, why do these things keep growing? And then the guy says, you didn't prepare the ground good enough. You didn't get rid of the roots. He says, you need to use this special type of chemical to kill it at its root. And, man, I'm telling you, it's been a battle to get rid of these roots because I have to be able to get to those, those seeds that, that have been planted that are weeds, right? And it's the same thing with our life. And I'm telling you, the root that I'm going to deal with, and we're going to really zero in on, and there are so many. I mean, in our series, we covered unforgiveness. It's a major root that, that hurts our lives. We dealt with anxiety, with depression, major, major roots that we need to deal with. We dealt with, with anger. We dealt with all those things. And, and I'm telling you, those are legitimate roots that I want you to take inventory of your life. If you see them, you need to uproot them. And the word will help you with that. And I'm going to give you a, a, a key that you can use in all those areas, but we're going to focus in on one that I believe is one of the greatest roots that has tried to grow and produce and destroy our lives, and it's the root of fear. 
root of fear. It's huge right now. COVID brought it to the surface. The seeds were always there. COVID just brought it to the surface. surface. And now, you know, and then anger and all that we see in America right now, it needs to be uprooted. But fear is a culprit. Fear usually leads to anger. You know, and so we have to deal with this root. And I'm going to give you some understanding of fear because as I studied fear and its debilitating forces, I discovered that fear has, there's different types of fears in the Bible. And they're not all bad, but, but one of them is found in Luke chapter 1, verse 12, and it's a phobos fear in the Greek. That's the word there used for that type of fear. It's called Phobos. So we'll read it. It's up there. And it says this. The axis of, well, it's the one uh, that Peter, I mean, that John talked about. This fear is a Phobos fear. And listen to the type of fear it is. It's a panic-stricken type of fear. Phobos is where we get the word phobia from in English. And phobia is basically an abnormal, unlogical fear. People have phobias of the weirdest things. You know, they could have phobia of germs, phobia of, right, of COVID, right? Phobia of, of, of viruses, phobia of, of, of you know, uh, spiders, phobias of anything. And, and it's the type of phobosphere here. It's a terrorizing fear. It's a type of fear that leaves you shaking. When I was a kid, uh, I, I, in the Boy Scouts, my friend and I hid, on, hid underneath this big pine tree because it was raining really bad. And, uh, and I remember lightning hitting this tree to this day the lightning was so loud it shook the tree that you ever see those cartoons where you they, they show the, the the person in the cartoon getting so scared his ghost comes out of his body like his spirit comes out that's how I feel I think I saw that that day when that lightning hit my friend and I came out of our bodies it was so frightening to this day that happened when I was a kid to this day that traumatizing moment of that loud noise and that cracking sound coming through the sky hitting this tree so close to us I still kind of shudder when I hear lightning because it brings me to that moment that's a phobos type of fear it's a fear of sometimes the, now it's not all bad some phobos is a fear of heights people want don't a fear of electricity I've been <laughs> Electrocuted so many times. My wife says, don't mess with electricity anymore. Uh, a fear of, uh, of, you know, it could be a fear of water, right? A fear of drowning. I, I drowned as a kid, and for a long time, I, had a, I was afraid of water until I learned how to swim. It could be a fear, you know, of Bigfoot, uh, a fear of, of anything. And I'm telling you, I was afraid of Bigfoot as a kid. I grew up in Louisiana, and there was always this this talk about, you know, the, 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 they call it the, the legend of, of um, Honey Island Swamps, where I live by in Louisiana. And so there was a Honey Island Swamp monster out there. And then the movie didn't help. The, you remember the movie that came out, The Legend of Bobby Creek? That's going to age me a little bit. That didn't help me. And it didn't help that you had friends who would hide as you come down out of your deer stand and in the dark. And I was already afraid that Bigfoot's somewhere in the world. And then your friend jumps out from behind a tree and scares you like your pastor who did it to me. And like to this day, I'm traumatized by it. And so he scared me one day coming out of my deer stand. And I said, Mike, why, Pastor, why, why did you do this? I didn't call him Pastor back then. He was just Mike. Mike, why did you do this? He says, that was funny. <laughs> but I, I had this deal. When I was a kid, there was a dog named Bubbles that was terrifying. He was the terror of my neighborhood. 
the most scary things you can hear when I was a kid in my neighborhood was, Bubbles is loose. And there was nothing bubbly about this dog. He was the most terrorizing, most vicious dachshund you ever saw in your life. He was like a demon-possessed wiener dog or whatever he was. He looked like Benji. I remember Benji. That's what he was, but he was ferocious. And, and, and he was terrifying, and he just he bit every kid in my neighborhood had a scar from Bubbles. And the most fearful thing you could ever hear was Bubbles is, 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 is loose. And here I was coming back from, uh, uh, from the playground with my friends on a bike, and I heard the most terrifying voice. Uh, words from my friends. Bubbles is loose. And every kid ran. Kids run into, ran into each other. They ran into parked cars. They ran into everything. I tried to run to a car and it was so full of kids I couldn't get on the car. I ran to a tree and it was every kid on the tree. I couldn't get on a tree. And I remember being cornered in this alley like in our neighborhood and I turned around and to my greatest fear, Bubbles was on the other end. And he was growling and he was looking for an ankle to bite. And I remember that moment I had to face him. And I said, you know what? I am tired of this. I am tired of being afraid of this dog. I'm tired of being bit by this dog. I'm tired of being, you know, terrorized by this dog. And I remember thinking, he is a soccer ball. He is a soccer ball. He is a soccer ball. And the more I ran, said it, the more I ran towards this dog. And he did one of those things that only dogs can do. Like, ooh. Like, I think he'd never seen a kid run towards him. Always running away. And that day, I popped Bubbles' bubble. And uh, he never messed with me again, and he became afraid of me. And that's, sometimes that's how you have to deal with fear. Fear, phobos, there's another type of fear, Matthew's 10. And it's a phobeo type of fear is what Greek calls it, the phobeo. Phobeo is an is a, a awe type of fear. It's, a, uh, it's something that you reverence. It's when the Bible says fear of the Lord. And it's an awe. It's a reverence God. It's not a bad fear until it becomes a fear that you're allowed to frighten you and alarm you and, and, and create a phobia type of fear. Um, this type of fear is what you saw a lot when people in the Bible would see angels. When they would see angels, you notice how people would get afraid. They would, a lot of them would fall on their face. You know, when Joshua saw an angel for the first time, the great, you know, warrior of the Old Testament, he fell on his face. And, and because there was that type of fear, the phobeo type of fear, it was like, oh my, this is a spiritual being, right? And that is a different type of fear. Then there's the fear we're going to focus on. The fear that mostly harasses us and robs us and that needs to be uprooted. And it's called delia. In 2 Timothy 1.7, you find it there. Delia is a, is a timith, timith type of fear. It's a uh, it's a cowering type of fear. It's a, f- a, f- a fear that is a faithless type of fear. It's, it's, it's a shrinking back away type of fear. And Timothy was a young man that was raised by the Apostle Paul that, was, that was, had the largest church of its day in the city of Ephesus. And it was during the greatest, one of the greatest at that time persecutions of the church by a maniac named Nero, the emperor of Rome. And he was murdering Christians. He was burning Christians. He was 
throwing them in the dens of lions. And here is this young pastor with about, they estimated he had about 50,000 members at that time in his church. He was rocking it. And he is afraid that he would be the one next in Nero's craziness. And so his spiritual father, as Paul used to call himself to these young men, sends him this letter. And he tells him, Timothy, this is Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, you don't have a spirit of fear. Watch what he called it, a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I want to zero in on that for a few minutes with you, the spirit of fear, because it is a spirit, and it needs to be dealt with differently than any of those other fears that I talked talk to you about, because the spirits need to be to take an authority of spirits need to be spoken to just like i'm speaking to you right now and it needs to be told to leave and it needs to be told to leave several times your life because it will try to come back and you need to keep it out you need to send it where it came from from the pit of hell and i'm going to help you do that do you need that some anybody have you ever dealt with this i'm telling you it's it's trying to harass me it's trying to rob me in my life more than any other spirit has been the spirit of fear and I deal with men, as Pastor Mike said. I deal with men is specifically in my church. We have a camp, and this is the spirit I deal with the most, is the spirit of fear. And so how does it enter in our life? I believe that as a, as a child of God, a believer in Christ, you can't be possessed by a spirit. But I do believe, and I can show you in Scripture, that you can be oppressed by the spirit. You can be harassed by spirits. But, but to get the spirit to leave you alone, you got to understand how it enters in. We have to give it access. We have to let him break into our lives. And that's what we want to shut down. And this fear comes through three things that I've seen in Scripture. It, it mainly comes in through our mind. This fear comes in through our mind. It enters through there. Satan is is. Satan is very crafty, and he, even his name, I was talking about earlier service, his name we call, you know, the word Satan is really his name. It means, it means the slanderer, it means accuser, that's why he called him the accuser of the brother. You know, he's a liar, right? Jesus called him a, a father of lies. That's, that's the, the description in the Greek of the word Satan. But the word devil, that we often call him, is really not a name, it's a description. It's an apparandi. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a procedure of something. It's like a verb of a word. And, and, the, and it comes from the Greek word diablos. Two Greek words, dia, which means to penetrate through, and balos, which means to, to, to continually throw at. It's a, it's a barraging. And what is he doing? Where is that going? To our mind. He tries to pierce through our mind and continue to barrage us with negative thoughts. And if we don't supervise our minds, if we don't deal with our minds, if we don't take captive, as I'm going to show you in a few minutes, of those thoughts, then he's going to penetrate in our mind. Why? Because once he's got your mind, the central control system of your life is your mind. It is the, it is the motherboard of, the, of your heart. And once he gets in there, he'll get into your heart. Once it gets in your heart, you get into your speech. And then your life is controlled and destroyed by that spirit of fear. And so that's why we got to know how to deal with our minds. 
Um, because the enemy will come and he will slander people. He will accuse people in your life. He will tell you you're no good. He'll tell you, you you're not worthy. He'll tell you you should take your life. I've been there. There were times in my life when early on in my walk with God, I did not understand these principles. I did not understand how Satan operates as the devil. And he almost took my life. I almost took my own life with my own hands because of the barrage of diablos that I didn't understand. Until the Spirit of God started to graciously show me the power that I walked into in Christ. And I started to deal with it. I love what Joyce Meyer says. She has an acronym for fear. False evidence appearing uh, real. False evidence appearing real. And that's what Satan is. Satan is a mouse with a microphone. You just hear what I said? He is a mouse with a microphone. Don't make him bigger than God. Fear looks for a chink in her armor. Jesus said this about his life. In John 14, 30, he says, I must go, but the evil one is coming. But let me tell you, he has no hold on me. He has no power on me, one translation says. It's the Greek word for hooks. It's the Greek word for entrance. And so he, Jesus was teaching us, Satan has no entrance into me because that's how he gets into our mind. He looks for a, chi- a chink in our armor. He looks for a breach in the wall so he can come in and he goes, goes for the mind. If he can't go through the mind, he goes through the eyes. It's the next area he goes through, the eyes. That's why, you know, growing up, uh, my parents wasn't really good about supervising what we saw as kids. I was the youngest of five. I had a lot older brothers and sisters. And so they were older, and they would watch all these horror movies when I was a kid. And at five years old, I would be watching these terrifying movies like The Blob. <laughs> these young guys, they don't know how terrifying The Blob was. And then there was the, wolf, the, the mummy. Y'all remember the mummy? I mean, he killed people and he walked like this. I don't know how he caught anybody. But I was terrifying at five years over the mummy. And then there was the wolf man and vampire. Oh, my good, the vampire movies. And I'm watching all of this. No wonder I was so afraid of this, to sleep alone as a kid in, of the dark and terrified. And, and I grew up with all these imaginations in my mind. I would sleep with garlic and, and a, a silver bullet to kill the, the, the you know, the wolf man had to die with a silver bullet and, and a big cross. I had a big cross nailed to my bed to keep the vampires away. Why? Because my parents didn't understand how the enemy operates through our eyes, what we see. You know, the, med- the world, the enemy knows through media how to get fear in us. That's why I tell young people, you know, when, I, when we started having kids, we didn't let them watch those things. But I didn't know when I first got married, you know, I had all these f- um, fears that I had gotten exposed to as a kid. So I was always into scaring people. And this I'm just telling myself a little bit. You know, I, I, we just got married and my sweet little wife, you know, and, um, and I was always scaring people. And so I decided I came home early from work. She didn't know. This is terrible. Don't, don't, don't judge me by this because I'm not like this now. But I was just always scaring people. So I, 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 came, she, I came home and she, was, um, she didn't know I was home. She was in the shower. So I took the biggest butcher knife I could find. Can you believe this? And I went to the shower and I stuck it through the curtain. Ding, 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 you know? And she went, ah! And she screamed. And I'm telling you, between her, the Holy Spirit, and God, I got beat up pretty bad. 
And I never did it again. I never scared it again. God says, don't you ever do that again. You are creating fear. And so, you know, I used to scare my little kids and all of that. And God's like, stop that. That's creating fear. Why? Because that's how it enters. And so we, we have to really, really understand that whenever you entertain fear through your eyes, you're letting that spirit come in to harass you. The other one is something I deal with with a lot of men, the fear of failure. The fear of failure. They, they, they have this fear that I don't even want to try because I'm going to fail. And let me tell you, the quickest way to fail in life is to think you can never fail. Listen, every man that I know has ever been successful is, is men that have understood that failure is not final. That you learn from failure and you go on. When they asked you know, Edison, who created electricity in the bulb, they said, how, how, you know, you failed. How many times have you failed trying this? He said, over a thousand times. They said, how did you stay encouraged? He goes, I just realized I was a thousand times closer to the invention. He had an attitude that I was not going to give in to the fear of failure. But that is the, one of the biggest ones I deal with men. And that the heart of that is the root of identity. They just don't know who they are in Christ. And they don't understand that you really don't fail. I want you to hear this. You really don't fail in life at anything that's outside of the will of God. If, you, if, you, if it's outside of the will of God, okay, you're going to, and you fail, are you really failing? Because if it's in the will of God, God's going to back you up. God's now your partner. And that's why I always ask, God, is this really your will? Because if it's your will, it's going to happen. It's going to work. If it's my deal, I might fail at it. So did I really fail if it's not in the will of God, right? You really, a lot of the things we get caught up in is really just because we were involved in things that had nothing to do with God's purpose for our life. And he's too faithful to what he's called you to do. Amen? And so how do we get, how do we do? How do we uproot in the next few minutes? How do we uproot the spirit of fear? And how do we get rid of it and make it leave us alone? Anybody want that? Second Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter 10, verse four. And beginning in verse four and five there, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, pulling down strongholds. See, fear creates a stronghold if we don't watch it. Another word for strongholds is fortress or prison, okay? Casting down, here it is, casting down. In other words, pulling down, destroying, depossessing, okay? Watch this. The arguments, which is vain and futile imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing everything, here's the key, you cast it down, bringing everything, everything, Thought, there it is, one of the entrance, the mind, every thought captive. In other words, you, you, what is, what is the, the word there for captivity? It's when they lead, led capti- captives away. You, lay, you lead that fear away from you by the authority in Christ. Watch this. To lead captivity to the obedience of Christ. So when I deal with the spirit of fear with men, I always have them stand up, first of all. Why? Because that's, that's a posture of, of authority. And don't sit there and, and talk, you know, real lame and sitting down. Stand up and deal with this thing that has been robbing you right. of your joy, of your victories, of your health, of your peace. And, and, you, and I said, you want to you keep this from going into your children? Then deal with this in your own life. And I had to stand up. Why? 
because I want them to take the posture of authority and I want them to cast that, to capture that thing and send it off away and send it to where it came from, the pit of hell. Did you catch that? Because you have to deal with it with authority. And so I want to, I want to close today with that very thought because some of you, this fear has, has done enough, enough damage and you need to get rid of it. And here's the key to this fear. Notice that Paul said, you don't have a spirit of fear, but here's what you do have. Power, love, and a sound mind. Let me tell you about fear. You can command it to go, but it will try to come back. And if you don't have your mind renewed in Christ and in the word, if you don't have your heart right and the roots uprooted that are not of God, if you let your, your, your fear of failure continue to operate in your life, then it has entrance back in and it's not harassing you again. So how do you keep it away? You fill the area that it used to, used to be in. You fill it with power, love, and a sound mind. Wow. Sound mind means a peaceful mind. So when you hear news, listen, that's another way the enemy tries to get in. Bad news, bad news. That's why when people are like, don't you care what's going on? Absolutely. I hate what's happening to, to God's children. I hate what's happening to people. But, but I just don't let it be consuming in my mind. I think of the power of God. I think of the, I think of the, you know, the, 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 the powerful peace that God can give us. And I fill my mind with those things. So when, when fear comes knocking, it has no room. So I want you to stand.